morning, church. Thank you, Will, and thank you for giving this morning. This is the day the Lord has made, and we do rejoice this morning, don't we? I think so, right? Every day we rejoice and we are glad in it. It's good to see all of you here this morning. Um, thank you to those live streaming as well. We're grateful for every time you choose to spend an hour of your day with us in worship. We're grateful for you today. And thank you as well to everyone who volunteers uh, each week. We appreciate you as well. We can hold a weekly service because of a lot of people doing a lot of things that maybe you never see. So thank you to everyone who does that. And if you're interested, actually, in serving alongside of any of our teams, we like to, to employ the observation, participation, application method. So you can simply observe and hang out with the team for a bit. And if you deem it so you're privileged to serve, you can then participate toward that end. But thank you all for being here. We love you. And we love God and thank him for this space that we get to call church. Awesome to see you. How many of you enjoyed Pastor Sean Clemens last week? How many of you were here? Remember? Uh, that's my brother. He keeps it as real as I've ever heard a preacher keep it real. And uh, he's of many pastors, men and women, who keep me supported and accountable and pray for us on a weekly basis. Um, I think he might have mentioned that in the sermon, that Grace Covenant Church, our sending church every Friday, for two hours, they're praying for grace, for their pastor and their leadership, but also their community, city, the D.C. metropolitan area, and all of the church plants of which we are a part and the nation and the world. And so we're grateful for those who come and are able to share with us a bit of what God has been putting on their hearts for us. And if you haven't noticed, over the last few months, we've had a person, maybe once a month, come and share with us. Uh, pastor Jim Critcher, Pastor Danell Perkins, of course, Pastor Sean Clemens, and we do that for a few reasons. One, so that I can be around for the long run. <laughs> My wife will say amen to that if you won't. Uh, it's important to approach every endeavor with wisdom, and we're doing our best to do that with this. But secondly, I mentioned how folks are praying for us all over the world and our Every Nation family. People are praying for us constantly. I'm getting emails all the time about how can we pray for you because I'll be on this call. How can we pray for victory because I'll be on this call. And so we love for people to come, particularly those who have been praying for us, because then they get to see and feel and experience the community they've been praying for. And then, as mentioned, they can share a bit out of what God's been saying to them in their prayer time for us. So it's not just another sermon, if you will, that they're just presenting. They've been spending time in prayer about us. And so then they get a chance to share a little bit about what God has been saying to them, through them, for us. And I think last week we got a bit of some of that from God's word about what I think applies to us right now. Um, and lastly, I think it's really important for you all to get to know our larger network, the family of churches called Every Nation of which we are a part, which is important because I am voluntarily tethered to every single man and woman that calls Every Nation home. So they support, they hold accountable I submit updates to them voluntarily. There's no contract or otherwise arrangement that says you have to. I just choose to, as I say from here, often to be in community and to live life in community to employ the same in my own life. And so pastorally, the folks that come in are extensions of me. I'm extensions of them. And they are the ones, if I ever were to act a fool as well, that you can call and say, hey, Pastor Paul saying again that Michael Jordan is the best player in the world. What kind of training did you give him? One amen. Actually, Pastor Sean, I'm surprised he didn't bring that up because he's the one I used to argue with all the time about that. Um, 
So I thought he might have said something just to dig, but he didn't. So he'd be one that you can call on that front. But, uh, but we're grateful this month. Now, having said that, we won't have anybody coming. Uh, but next month, we'll have Pastor Chris Johnson, who's the pastor, if anybody here is affiliated with James Madison University of Divine Unity Community Church. Uh, he was a campus minister for years, played football at Bridgewater, and uh, just a powerful, powerful dude who's going to come and share God's word with us in August, and then Pastor Brett at the end of September, who's the senior pastor at Grace Covenant, who is ascending church for us. And so we'll do that intentionally and consistently, and even those not in the every nation family, but those tethered to us voluntarily. My best friend, roommate from college, who pastors at uh, Mark Batterson's church, if you've ever read any of his books, National Community Church. So it's tough to get him here, but at some point you'll get to hear some old roommate stories and the word of God mixed in, because I know he's praying for us every single day. Um, as well. With that said, turn with me in your Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. We're starting a month-long series today on the topic of stewardship, what it means to manage well the resources God has entrusted to us and how we might position ourselves to do that really well. So today we'll look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Um, and Lord, we just ask that you would help us as we study your word. We pray according to your word. Psalm 119 and 18 says to open up our eyes so that we may see all that is in your law. We ask for your guidance, for your discernment. Help us today to not just receive head knowledge of what's here in your word, but for it to drop 18 inches or so to our heart as well so that it can be a lived reality in our daily experiences, in our community, in our families, in our homes, in our workplaces. That's our desire. Remove me, God, and you speak through your word that which you have for us to digest today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, reads this way from the NIV. This, then, is how you ought to regard us. As servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mystery God has revealed. The title of the sermon today is Servant Stewardship. Which when I thought about that, it's kind of like saying pin number. All right, personal identification number, number. Servant stewardship. If we're going to steward well, particularly in the church, large C, there's got to be a positioning or an attitude of servanthood. We have to understand our roles, if you will, as servants of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Genesis 1 and 1, for example, says that Paul Harris created the heavens and the earth. There's a few awake. <laughs> no, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say Taylor created the heavens and the earth or Mark or Kate or Troy or Shiloh or Paris or Mary or any of you here. No, it says God created the heavens and the earth. Psalm 24 in one, the psalmist writes, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I've got some who memorized it like me in that King James version. The fullness thereof, everything in it, the world and all who live in it, the Lord owns it. And he's given us the privilege to steward his resources in such a way that brings him glory. But lest we position ourselves as servants of him, things can go awry pretty quickly, which we'll talk about in a moment. Genesis 2 after having created the heavens and the earth, God then says, let me form man. And what did he do with man? He took him, said, I'm going to put you in the garden now to work it and to take care of it. We own nothing. 
everything about what we get to steward is just that. Stewardship of that which God entrusts us to be responsible over. The challenge for us and the challenge for many in the Bible is, though, that we can oftentimes feel like we own it. We can get sort of beside ourselves, puffed up, if you will, and feel like some of this is mine. Maybe I worked for it. I earned it. And God is saying, no, it's mine. It's all mine. And yet I am offering you the privilege to manage it well. And that's the framework for this entire month that I'd love for us to have this conversation in as we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, time, relationships, money, because everybody comes to church to hear the preacher talk about money. We're going to talk about that in the context of stewardship as an honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Talked about this earlier with our discipleship uh, moment with all of our volunteers. Anybody watching Corey Goff? Anybody watching Corey Goff? A couple of hands. Okay, maybe I'll move on, but I won't because you need to be watching Corey Goff. So I'm going to take a little time. Corey Goff is a 15-year-old. Wow. 15 years old, youngest qualifier in Wimbledon history. Wimbledon is a tennis tournament, the oldest tennis. I'm just trying to see faces. It's hard to see, but it's the oldest tennis tournament. It's, and so this young lady who's 15 is the youngest ever to qualify for it. She gets in the tournament, gets in the first round. Gets by kind of a relatively unknown tennis player by the name of Venus Williams. Her childhood idol, an amazing player. Gets to the second round. Gets through that round. 15 years old, youngest qualifier in Wimbledon history. Gets to the third round. Loses the first set, 6-3. Gets to the second set. Is down two match points. And at this point, I'm actually at the gym in the locker room. Well, there's a TV where we always get our updates in the morning, wherever I'm at the gym. Sports Center is always on, and sometimes if it's March Madness, there's a game. If it's NBA playoffs or whatever, there's a game on. And today it was Corey Goff, and I have never witnessed this many dudes around the TV <laughs> doing everything with their bodies like they were on the court. Like with every match point that she was about to lose and it would have been all over, you see some guys doing their forehand and just break. <laughs> and with every, it was like, <gasps> She comes back in the second set, two match points down, wins the set. The whole locker room, no joke, never seen it at the gym that I go to, erupts, cheers, cloud nine. She goes on to eventually win the match, and hopefully someday maybe she'll face Serena Williams in the final. Though I'm a Serena fan, so it'll be hard for me to root for Corey then. But how much of a feat already has she accomplished? How impossible might some have said this feat already was for her to accomplish. And yet here you and I sit where we're trying to manage and steward the resources God has given us may also at times seem like an impossible task, does it not? You want me to father this child? Depending on where I put the emphasis there, that can make it. You want me to father this child, right? You, you, you want me to be a husband to that wife? No, right? How am I to do that? You want me to forgive that person in my workplace? In stewarding that relationship, you want me to steward my time well when, for example, maybe the 30 years or 40 that you've worked, things were always kind of in rhythmic motion and your kids were there as well and now the job is gone because you've retired, the kids are gone, the nest is empty, God, that's impossible for me now to figure out what I am to do. The beach got old real quick. Wherever you find yourself, it might seem like an impossible task. 
And I promise I'll get to the main point of this text in a moment. But sometimes when we're studying the word of God, there are these sub points that are tough to get through. And I found myself in the same boat this week. And I wanted to pause here in this sub point, if you will, to emphasize Because maybe like me in some circumstances in my life, you found yourself, whether in church or your family or your workplace, in literal fear, like gripped, being afraid of what might happen when you mess up. Maybe somebody presented God like that to you. Maybe in your house with chores it was like that. Maybe on your job, you get the point, in the community. But somehow fear grips you. And I couldn't get past that point this week because I thought, God, Just like all those dudes in the locker room. Just like when when I was in Little League, quick sidebar, stress, stakes just as high as Wimbledon, of course. Little League baseball, and I'm playing baseball, I'm on the mound, or maybe I'm at the plate batting, nervous, ESPN, and stuck in traffic, never actually made it to my games, but I was nervous, I was freaking out about whatever high-pressure moments it was for me as an 8, 9, or 10-year-old, but things seemed a little bit more possible when I heard a certain voice from the crowd. And I heard my dad say, that's my son. You're going to be all right, son. You got this. Kind of relaxed a little bit. Daddy was cheering. When I thought about us dudes in the locker room going crazy about Corey Goff, and I think about the impossible seemingly so task of stewarding the resources God has given us, And in the context today, we're talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like we're supposed to carry that and deliver that and communicate that. That can seem impossible. Quite inadequate, I feel, for that task. I hear God saying, you got it, son. You all right, daughter. I am with you. In fact, Philippians 1 and 6 says that work that he's begun, he is going to complete. Key word in the context that I'm sharing today is he. (laughs) He's begun it, and so he is going to to complete it. And so when we talk about stewarding anything that God has given us, the main point of today is to get low. Because when we get low, then we can steward well. The Apostle Paul here in the book of 1 Corinthians, he's writing to the church at Corinth. I love the Apostle Paul because he's just writing to folks like you and me. He went on about three missionary journeys. On the second missionary journey, he goes to Corinth. He plants this church in the middle of a rather diverse city, but also rampant paganism. There's a lot of money coming through this isthmus, if you will, a lot of commerce that was able to pass through because of the nature of that city. And so there was a lot of pride. There was a lot of, of haughtiness and puffed upness and, and so forth and so on. He says, yeah, this is a perfect place to plant this city. Not unlike the church that's been planted with the vision that seems to be antithetical to the city we live in. You heard Joseph this morning, Joseph Williams. He said the vision is to see people reconciled to God and each other. Who does that? in a city that is entrenched in racism. And, and yes, we had August 11 and 12 of 2017, but for years and decades and going back to the Civil War and prior, we've had some issues. And yet Apostle Paul says, I'm gonna plant a church right here in the middle of this city to bring you glory. After he left, he's on his third missionary journey. He's in Ephesus. He gets word through a number of folks, Chloe being one of them. And, and the word is, man, your church is acting up. They're a fool, like you need to do something. <laughs> Talk to them. They got questions and they're, they're just problems. So he writes a letter, which for us is the book of 1 Corinthians. He writes this letter and he says, among a number of things, here's how we might correct the problems. But then he also answers some questions, questions about disunity, immorality, questions about orderly worship and so on. 
And in chapter 4, he's kind of coming sort of on the back end of what was a rebuke, if you will, of the folks who were getting a bit beside themselves and how they esteemed him and other preachers of the gospel. Chapter 1, even before uh, chapter 3, where it says it again, it says, you all are saying, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, I follow Christ. And Paul says, is Christ divided? Did Paul get crucified for your sake? Y'all need to chill out and come down with that. There's nothing that I've done, no foundation that I've laid that I've not done so by the grace of God. I may plant some things. I may water some things. Some people in this house who put up these TVs and put up the signs outside so you can find us. We might plant and water, but don't get it twisted. God gives all the increase. Get low so we can steward well. He says, we are but servants, chapter 4, verse 1 says. We are servants of the most high God, charged with stewarding the mysteries of God. Not meant to be understood as those things incomprehensible, but rather the mysteries now that have been revealed through Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are here to preach him and nothing more. And without him, we are not here. Stop boasting about human leaders, Paul says to them. We submit to his authority, and by his authority only do we steward well. In other words, when we get low, we steward well. Our job is just to be faithful, to be faithful to the task. And there are some people in Scripture that we can learn from, just like if I can go back to Corey for a quick sec. There's some people that I hope she's thinking about that have gone before that young lady. Serena and Venus, for example. I like to think Althea Gibson first black tennis player to cross the color barrier in international tennis. I hope somewhere in the back of her mind she's saying they've gone before me. In fact, I think it was just a couple days ago, it was the 62nd anniversary of Althea winning the Wimbledon tournament, 1957. You do the math, however I messed that up. I think that's 62. And just like Corey has some people in the back of her mind that she can look to, we too, throughout Scripture, can look at some folks that we can learn from, both good and bad, about how we might steward this gospel well. We can look at Moses, for example, who we know did some mighty exploits, but we also can learn from him how not to approach the stewardship of the gospel. In that, he said some things like, I can't speak well enough, God. You sure? He says God's anger burned at him, but I'll send on Aaron with you. Or Jonah, who thought he could outsmart God by saying, I know you want me to go to Nineveh, but I'd rather go to Tarshish. <laughs> and we see how that worked out for him. God made his call like we did as kids. Ooh. None of y'all did that. I was a kid who couldn't fight, so I had the call so the people could come who could fight to help. That was the call. I'm pretty sure that was God's call to the fish, who then came. <laughs> Some of y'all know. That's how it went down. Nobody had that call. That was our own call. I'm pretty sure that's kind of how God called the fish. Um, called the fish to eat him, to come and sweep him up and say, no, I said go to Nineveh. I called you to steward. We can learn from Deborah, the prophetess, the judge, if you will, who inspired Israel to victory over the Canaanites. We go on down through scripture. Abram, go to a land I'm going to show you, Abram. I'm going to bless you and all this. And it just says, so Abram went. We can look at all of these examples, and yet we cannot totally rely on those examples, but we can learn from, and we know upon whom we can rely as well as learn from. His name is, his name is Jesus. 
Because all of the individuals I just mentioned, though we can learn through them that they are conduits through whom God's presence can be known even in their flawed nature, they were ultimately flawed and tainted. And so we rely ultimately on the power of that for whom was not tainted, who was tempted by sin, but never, ever sinned. We can rely on the power that he gives us then to steward this gospel, this the, the power that conquered death in the grave that we now get to carry through that now we can move forward and see our communities change. But the temptation for us, there's always tension in any text that we read, or at least I encourage you to find it. The temptation is that we might feel at times that it's us that does it, and it's very subtle. It's very subtle. I'm submitting information to the University of Virginia now for my tenure. Actually, I submitted it, so it's done, and I just have to wait. And the temptation is to have my confidence rest in what that decision is going to be. I want to get tenure. Don't get me wrong. But the temptation is with each degree, with each zero in our bank account, somehow our confidence rises and falls on what we are able to do. But I believe what's written in Scripture, 1 John 4 and 4, says greater is he who is in us. Not greater is the degree or the bank account or the social capital or the zip code. The access I love that we all get when we come to the cross is that God is able to use anyone. His power can be made manifest to anyone in the room such that we can steward his gospel well. But it's when we get low. Verse 6 of this text, chapter 4, it says, don't go beyond what is written. What's written? What's written is that he owns the world. What's written is that greater is he who is in us. What's written is for us, 1 Corinthians says, not to boast in ourselves, but to boast rather in the Lord. I love the example of Gideon in Judges chapter 7. He had 32,000, maybe more than that. I'm trying to remember that. Anybody remember the exact number? He had thousands of folks with him to go into this fight. And God said, you got too many, Gideon. Cut it down. Get the folks that who are afraid and tell them they got to go. So he said, all right, I'm going to get you folks who are afraid. You're going to go somewhere else. So then he had about 20,000 from that 32,000 left. And he said, you still got too many. If you go into this battle and you win this battle, you're going to feel like you did it all by yourself. They're going to feel like they won this battle. Cut them, cut them off a little bit more. Take them down to the water, Gideon. So Gideon takes them down to the water. He said, okay, Lord, what next? <laughs> Got him out the water. He says, now I want you to look and look and see who's lapping. Who's lapping? Like literally, if I can get down on my knees and get back up, we'll try that. He said, who's lapping the water to their face like dogs? Who's lapping the water, Gideon? Those are the folks that I want you to take with you into battle. He ended up with how many? 300 folks. For every army military person that he had, there were 400, the Bible says, Midianites. But he says, now you're going to know. When this victory happens, you're going to know that it was me. And the Lord knows, Taylor knows, as we live together, that we have been praying not for anything mega here at all. You know what we've been praying for, Mark? A few folks who don't mind getting low. Where my dogs at? <laughs> Where are my dogs at? Who's going to get low? on bending knee and says, it's not about me. <laughs> it's not about anything having to do with my power, my, you fill in the blank, that upon which you rely. I told you a little bit about what might tempt me if I'm not careful to rely on. And God says, Paul, I'm in you. How are you going to steward this mystery of the gospel, this gospel? 
because the power of the Holy Spirit, it says early in 1 Corinthians 3, that we are temples of the Holy Spirit, every single one of us, and we get to steward him on the earth. After Jesus died, was buried, and was ascended to heaven, he gave us his spirit to carry with us. Yes, that's impossible with you. But when you get low, then you can steward well. When it's not about you, when you don't go beyond what is written and start filling in gaps of things you can do to help him. No, he says, when you get low, then you can steward well. And our prayer here over the next few weeks, as we talk about stewarding well, it's going to be from this posture. God, how can we, with the resources you've given us, starting with the gospel, manage it in such a way that brings glory to your name? There's no big eye standing up here or sitting out there. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. Paul said, cut it out. We're all servants. We plant, we water, but God, he gives the increase. Close your eyes so I can get up without being embarrassed. And so let's pray. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we thank you for this word. We thank you so much for the gospel of Jesus Christ.